0: Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Kennard Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. have a lot to speak about today, or talk about today. Um, we are on the verge of a major financial crisis worldwide again. This whole mess began in the latter part of 2007 and has progressed to not even get any better despite the media lying to the American public or not telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth about the real situation that we have in the economy right now, not just in the United States, but worldwide. So I'm going to try to simplify things for everyone today and explain to you what the real problem is. And Of course, the real problem is linked back to the Holy Bible itself, uh, because I believe and I hope that uh, the listeners uh, that listen to me on a consistent basis believe that God does play a role in the affairs of man and that he's very serious about what's going on um, in his world that he has created. Uh, I'll be right back. I'm back and just had to get my notes here. So basically, what is the financial crisis? What's going on basically? Because I know that perhaps uh, many people are focusing on Harry Potter right now and focusing on the fantasy world and and other things, uh, the women's soccer team and all that, and they're not really focusing on what really counts. So I'm going to try to simplify this as best as I can. The Federal Government has been since nineteen thirteen with the Federal Reserve Bank has been printing money out of thin air basically uh, What I mean by that is that our country is out of all the countries in the world. we hardly have any monies left period, in other words, we are on uh we have the most money that we owe to any other country. We're the world's largest debtor nation. Uh, this really happened after World War II and accumulated accumulated uh, to the point where this is astronomical right now. So our country has been in debt for a long time. So don't, don't act like this is all of a sudden we're, we're in debt. Uh, we've been in debt for a long time. Uh, and it's just getting to the point now where it's just so astronomical that it's going to cause a worldwide crisis. And... What I mean by printing money out of thin air, the Treasury, United States Treasury Department, uh, prints out the dollar bills that we have, or the the, the uh, tender that we have. And whenever there's a crisis like this, then you have Bernanke saying, "Hey, well, we need to to uh, do the quantitative easing." What that simply is is just printing money out of thin air. What I mean by thin air is that we don't have the the uh, the, the silver and gold to back up what we're printing out, so we're getting ourselves more into debt, what that does is devalue or, you know, the dollar that we have. It lessens the value of the dollar because the money supply, in other words, the supply of money has increased, okay? But when you do that, when you increase the money supply in the situation that we're in right now, it decreases the value of the dollar, okay? And the interest rates, are down right now, at zero. And that that is the problem right now. As we keep on doing this quantitative easing, uh, printing money out of thin air, the value of the dollar is going to continue to decrease. And what that's going to do is cause nations to say, hey, I don't want to depend on the United States dollar anymore. I'm not making any money. Uh, I'm going to go to another uh, currency. That's what's going to happen very soon here ladies and gentlemen. And when that happens, it's going to be catastrophic to every American, to the whole world, particularly Americans. So that's that's where we're at right now. That's as simple as I can explain it right now. Even if they do stop it with their bickering and and figure something out and act like adults for once, Congress, and uh, come with some kind of uh, agreement, uh, when they increase the debt ceiling, that's still not going to help us out because increasing the debt ce- ceiling, we're going to st- continue to spend money that we don't have, and it's going to devalue the dollar again. Okay, so either way, we're still on a collision course with financial Armageddon, and I've never heard that phrase before. I'm 45 years old, and I've never heard financial Armageddon <laughs> before. I mean, in this context, right now, so. They're using a biblical word here to tell you that, and God allows these things to to try to wake us up to reality here, folks. Uh, Americans, uh, since the the mid-1950s or in in the 1940s, have been living a dream, basically. The dream is this. Um, We go to college. We get a good college education. uh, We get a nice job where we sit at a desk all day and get paid. Uh, every two weeks, uh, we get our credit cards, uh, we get our house, we get our kids, and everyone's living uh, uh, happy forever. And that's not the way it goes. I mean, that's the way it has been going, but that has all ended, folks. We can't live like that anymore. We can't live beyond our means. The government, our so-called leaders, are living like that, by showing the fact that the government can't even pay his own bills or getting close to not paying his own bills, and and when we do pay our own bills, we're still in debt anyway. We're not getting out of debt. Then, of course, when you have leaders, the people that, that they lead also follow their example. And that's the reason why we, we are the world's largest debtor nation in the world. If you want to verify all this, just type in the United States debtor nation in the world. It'll, it'll pop up on Google. You know, I don't have time to go into detail. I, I don't have time to give you an educational uh, financial course on uh, basic, simple, common sense economics. So uh, all I'm trying to tell you is that if you understand addition and subtraction, multiplication and division, you should be able to understand the state of the economy right now. And the state of the economy is this. We are more than $14.3 trillion in debt. Uh, we, we, When you put the entitlement programs, what I mean by entitlement programs, financial aid, uh, Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security, uh, all the other various programs, uh, the public aid programs and so forth, you put that all into play. And we're close to $100 trillion in debt. Of course, no politician is going to tell you that uh, because they don't want to alarm you. But that's the truth. If you want more information about that, I can email that to you. Uh, if you want to email me at Kennard at com, feel free to do so. But as a servant of God, I must warn people, especially now, um, Time is running out in regards to this world continuing to be the way it is, folks. And I did mention to you, I think it was two, three weeks ago, well, it all started basically with the United Nations saying, okay, let's accept um, gays um, gays and lesbians around the world. Let's not discriminate against them, okay? Now, remember, the United Nations is located in New York. then the following week, the state of New York says it's okay for men to marry men and women to marry men. Okay? So, and I mentioned on the program that I don't know what God is going to do, but I know he's going to do something because when it gets to this point, (laughs) when it gets so people's minds are that depraved, or deprived basically when they are thinking like that, then I know God is going to do something or allow something to occur to get our attention. And he's doing that, folks, Um, with with this financial problem. uh, There is a massive heat wave going on right now. Uh, Let me take a look at... uh, Let me go back here on the Internet here and do this to save paper. I don't have to print out as much. Uh, Right here, this article here... um, this uh, website, what is, trying to look at what website this is on, but um, I don't know what news source this is, and I guess it's Associated Press, um, NBC, yeah, it, uh, MSNBC, it states, massive heat wave on the way Oklahoma's urged to pray, much of U.S. will fill it by next week, ice dump is, on, on, is one way to cool off. It says, while much of the U.S. was cooler Thursday ahead of another heat wave, temperatures were still around triple digits in Oklahoma and Texas, where ways to beat the heat included dumping 2,400 pounds of ice into a pool of hundreds of people. The stage is being set for a massive heat wave to develop into next week as a large area of high pressure is anticipated to circulate hot and humid air over much of the central and eastern United States, the National Weather Service warned. Maximum heat indexes values at at least 100 degrees Fahrenheit are likely across much of this area by the middle of next week. With heat index values in excess of one hundred and ten degrees Fahrenheit possible over portions of these areas. And this is a major heat wave that's going to cause a lot of drought, folks. Says the big story for the coming weekend will be the building heat, added Jim Keeney, a National Weather Service meteorologist. It looks like it's going to be a long term a long term heat wave. Says in the thick of the heat wave is Oklahoma where Gover- Governor uh, Mary Fallon asked Oklahomans to pray for rain this Sunday. And let's pray with them. Let's pray that God has mercy on, on this country. says, the power of prayer is a wonderful thing. Yes, I agree. And I would ask every Oklahoman to look to a greater power this weekend and ask for rain. Fallon said in the news release on Thursday, but we need to pray as a nation to repent of our wickedness. We need to pray to stop thinking that being gay is okay because it if we don't pray about that, this is going to continue on, folks. Even though he, you know, God does have a tendency, despite our wickedness, to have mercy and still uh, uh, eliminate the, the punishment. But if we continue on with this path of really thinking that it's okay for two men and two women to get married and have kids, then you know He's going to allow these things to continue on. I know how He is, and, and and you can know how He is too if you just study the Bible says, Fallon on Thursday also issued a ban on outdoor burning for the western half of the state because of extreme drought conditions. The number of wildfires we have had over the last few months is extremely tough on our state firefighters. Earlier this year, Texas Governor Rick Perry asked Texans to pray for rain because of the drought there. As of July 12th, about 72% of Texans and 43% of Oklahoma are experiencing the worst possible drought conditions, according to U.S. Drought Monitor. It says on Thursday, 10 states were under heat advisories or watches down from earlier in the week when 24 states were on the list. So anyway, it says right now the worst states are Texas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana. But it's going to get worse than that, folks. Far worse. And it says, and now we didn't catch the temperature when the ice was dumped at 2 p.m., but added my thermometer said hotter than blazes. It says the heat will spread into the Midwest by the weekend and persist into early next week. It says this that means it could feel like 105 degrees or above over a large swath of the nation this weekend from the Dakotas and Minnesota to Texas and Louisiana. It says in anticipation of that spreading heat wave, the National Weather Service on Thursday issued new heat advisories for areas just north of Texas. And, you know, th- this is going to get worse, folks. Uh, I- I'm... Not surprised any of this is happening. There is a God. He sees what's going on. He does not like the mental state of our so-called leaders in this country that's endorsing homosexuality. Now, when you look at homosexuality in the Bible, in the context of punishments, it also alludes to fire and heat and destruction. So it's not surprising to me that God is allowing a heat wave to occur in this country to hopefully wake us up to reality and say, hey, wait a minute, what are we doing? Well, here we are bouncing up and down in perhaps the world's most influential city, New York City, uh, because in the state that New York City resides, uh, we have stated that anyone can marry in our state uh, a man. If you're a man, you can marry a man, or a woman, you can marry a woman. All right, and, and that, to God, is sick, folks. And to anyone else that believes in God and understands God's principles about what marriage is, in the beginning, God created a man and a female. He didn't create two males and two females to procreate. I mean, that's his basic common sense. But when you're wicked, you lose the ability to have common sense. And that's what's going on right now. That's what's going on right now in our country. Uh, Here's another article about this heat wave. Uh, It says, drought in central U.S. deepens and widens. And you can just Google that. It says, things look like they will get worse before they get better. And it says, jump detects the worst drought in decades tighten its grip on the southern plains. So, you know, this is is something, folks, that uh, we we need to... (laughs) get serious here with i, I know people like, where is like where's god or where is he going to come and you know there's a prophecy in second peters uh chapter three when people do that they only confirm that god exists because he prophesied through uh the apostle peter that people would act like that and i'm, I'm going to read this in a, in a clear version here for clarity's sake here and the um what version is this the Bible in basic English version, 1965, 2 Peter 3, verse 1, my loved ones, this is now my second letter to you, and in this, as in the first, I am attempting to keep your true minds awake, so please listen to this, folks, this is God talking through Peter, so that you may keep in mind the words of the holy prophets in the past, so just like many so-called Christians today, they don't take the holy prophets uh, serious, but in Ephesians chapter two it states that the the assembly, which that's a better definition of the word church, the assembly, the people of God assembled to, to worship, is based on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And Moses was a prophet. And Christianity, traditional Christianity today states that the law of Moses, which is the law of God, is done away, and that's a big lie, one of the biggest lies in, in the history of religion. And in second Peter chapter two. Chapter 3, rather, verse 2. So that you may keep in mind the words of the holy prophets in the past and the law of the Lord and Savior, which was given to you by his apostles. Having, first of all, the knowledge that in the last days, these definitely, if you don't understand that these are the last days, folks. There's something wrong with your brain matter, okay? Seriously. There will be men who, ruled by their evil desires, will make sport of holy things. And that's what people are doing. When they have this attitude in verse 4 of Second Peter chapter 3. Where is the hope of his coming? From the death of the fathers to now, everything has gone on as it was from the making of the world. And that's people's a lot of people's attitude today. Where is God? Well, ain't nothing happening. Things going, you know, it's no big deal to me. Verse 5. But in taking this view, they put out of their minds the memory that in the old days there was a heaven and an earth lifted out of the water and circled by water by the word of God, and that the world which then was came to end through the overflowing of the water. So this is alluding again to what Christ said in uh, Luke chapter 17. And he said, As in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And what did the people in the days of Noah do? Did? They, they didn't take Noah seriously. He preached for 120 years. He was trying to warn them and they did not take it serious because nothing was happening and then when something did happen what happened they were caught in the flood and that's the greatest prophet of all time yeshua messiah jesus christ prophesied that would happen again to most people in the world and there's going to be a few people on earth again that's going to get it and and, and it won't uh they'll be protected from these things Verse 6, and the world which was then came to an end through the overflowing of the waters. Verse 7, but the present heaven and the present earth have been kept for destruction by fire, which is waiting for them on the day of judging and destruction of evil men. Okay? So, you know, God is going to destroy the world this time by fire, although there still will be a remnant left, just like it was in the days of Noah. There's going to be quite a few more because uh, that's the way God has prophesied in the end time, it's not going to be just eight people. It's going to be more than that. Thank God for that. But uh, this this situation here, folks, is, is very serious, and uh, we need to, if you haven't been woken up by now, I guarantee you <laughs> that you will be if you are still alive here in the next 10, 20 years. You, you will definitely be woken up to reality if you still have a brain. And if it's functioning properly, you will, okay? Uh, China holds a lot of our debt. I think it's $1.4 trillion of of treasury bills, all right? And right now the interest rate is at zero, so those bonds are very attractive right now. But if the interest rate rises up, the the value of the treasury bonds go down. And when that happens, China, of course, is going to want to cash in on their treasury bonds. Because they're going to be like, wait a minute, um, we better get rid of these bonds because uh, if we don't, we're not going to have any money left. So they're going to start – and once they do that, folks, that's going to tear this country up. That's going to tear that country – tear tear this country up. Matter of fact, on the news, China was saying, hey, we, we hope that the United States is going to be responsible. And then Moody had, is threatening to lower our credit standing from AAA to lower than AAA. All this is, is coming upon us because of our sins, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to a detailed description of the Torah readings today. I'll summarize them, but this is so important, and I know that God holds Torah teachers responsible for warning the people, and I'm going to do all I can to, to warn you today that you better get your house in order, not just your physical house, but your spiritual mind in order. Get your man off of Harry Potter. Get your man off the, the women's soccer team, okay? And get your mind, get your your, your head and your your whole mind into God's words right now. Because that's the only thing that's going to count. Harry Potter and the women's soccer team and all those other ridiculous distractions that the devil has created to distract us from what really counts. uh, It's not going to be of any value to us in the end. It's good for a little entertainment. But we people, above all people on this earth, in this country, we don't seem to learn how to manage our time properly. Sure, we're the hardest workers in the world when we work. okay. But we love our pleasure. We love to sit back and relax and look at the what I feel is a, probably the most damaging creation ever in the history of man, I believe, outside of the nuclear bomb, is the television. The television is a nuclear bomb to our brains. You know, It blows our brains up, and it causes us to be lazy and not do anything constructive. And there's been studies on this. If you want to look at them, just look at TV. How it destroys your mind. Just type it on, on Google. It'll pop up. Okay. Uh, TV, when used the right way, if it's used the right way, can be a good educational experience and can stimulate the mind. Uh, just like in my uh, in, in Ohio here, they have television programs where you can actually learn marketing and business and so forth. Okay. They have television programs like the Animal Channel, even though it's what my son telling me is getting kind of crazy. But they do have some programs on there that you can look at about animals. Learn about the animals. When you use the television to learn about something, that's good in, in the sight of God. But when you look at it like most teenagers uh, look at today, they look at MTV. And what's on MTV? Girls' booties flying. Uh, guys' chests moving, looking at guys' chests and, and all that. And you know everybody's moving around shaking their butt. If that's just all on your mind, then how in the world can you focus on God properly? It's impossible. We got to stop living in Babylon, folks. The word Babylon means confusion. the tower of Babel is the tower of confusion, and the whole world, in particularly this country and the rest of the modern tribes of Israel, live in confusion. We can't even understand and explain why we feel that uh, marriage can also be between a man and a man and one woman. That's how perverted we have gotten in this country. For people to associate that abominable relationship with the civil rights movement. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the civil rights movement, folks. Okay? God makes the rights and the rules, and he says it's an abomination to do that. And I'm going to talk about it. I don't care. I'm going to talk about it. I'm not in this for the money, so I have nothing to lose. I'm not 501c3. I don't need your money. I'm not doing this for the money. I know I know most ministers are because they have tricked and deceived the people into thinking that it's okay to, just to to sacrifice your savings and, and you know, don't even look at your financial situation and just give them money and then you suffer while they just sit around and do nothing all day and just write articles. And and God does not look at that being a job, folks. Uh, he wants ministers to, to have a secular occupation. If they're going around telling people you must work six days a week, well, <laughs> uh, you're a hypocrite. You're telling somebody to do something, you're not doing it yourself. I mean, God works. He works six days a week. So for ministers to think that it's okay to look cute on the pulpit and get up there and act like you high and mighty, oh, I'm a prophet. And it's like it's one one silly church that we left, me and my wife. Uh, we, I'm so glad we did because we were losing our minds, basically. Um, he was teaching that he's Mr. Head Honcho. Every, every prophetic book re- represents him. you know. And, and uh, if you give him money, then you have uh, reserved your place your ticket for a place of safety is that what religion's all about just to save yourself because christ said if that's all it is you'll lose your life okay so that's not what religion's all about folks but anyway let's take a look at what uh, god spoke to jeremiah many people don't realize it's about jeremiah okay but jeremiah was not only a prophet to israel he was a prophet to the whole world the nations all right so you better you better take what jeremiah says and, and uh in this prophetic book here, seriously, all right? Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Read this in the King James Version. Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, so... This situation with, uh, it says, before and before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. So to know somebody, they're a human being, right? So this is another scripture of the many that you can prove out the Bible that uh, uh, conception, when the uh, sperm meets the uh, embryo, not the embryo, but the ovum, and forms together, that's conception. God considers that a human being. Uh, Jeremiah 1 verse 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee or set thee apart. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So he's not just a prophet to Israel, folks. That really can apply to all the prophets because the prophets um, in Ephesians chapter 2, the apostles and the prophets are the foundation of the assembly. Better word for the name church. The word church, English word church. Okay called out ones, those who assemble together to worship the true God. So, if it's based on the foundation of the prophets, folks, we better listen to what the prophets say. Okay? And this was in the New Testament, for those who think it's the New Testament. Okay? It's really the renewed covenant. And that's not a Bible study, but, you know, let's focus on this. All right, so... Now, there's something that I, I, I need to quote more now, you know, because things are getting serious. I mean, really serious now. Jeremiah 18, verse 7. Now, this applies, since he is a prophet to the nations. Let's stop thinking every time uh, someone goes to the Old Testament. Oh, that's Israel. That's Jews, Jews, Jews. No. No, folks. Let me unbrainwash you. All right? Uh, the whole Bible is for the 12 tribes of Israel and for anyone that believes that the Messiah believes in the Messiah, who is the King of Israel, and that Messiah is, despite what Jews think, and other people who don't believe at all, is Jesus Christ, or Yeshua Messiah. Okay? So, let's understand that. Second of all, who has the most Bible distribution in the world uh, geographically? Just use your brain and think. Alright? Does China get Bibles? Do they distribute Bibles? Okay? Do uh people in uh other countries that we know are very uh, prejudiced against God's words, do they distribute the Bible? Do the Arab countries do they distribute Bibles? No. Um all right, so now that we understand that, if you if you if you if you just type in on Google countries that have the largest Bible distributions, you'll see that the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, uh, the countries in northwestern Europe are the leading nations in the world and, of course, the little nation of Israel in the Middle East. That right there should tell you who Israel is. But there's other uh, things. I try to simplify this as much as possible. Uh, Yer Davidi, for those who are scarily and want to argue, you can go to his website. It's b as in boy r i t a m dot org. He has plenty of information, both secular and religious, and even from, if any Jews listen to me, even... Uh, stuff from the Talmud that verifies what I'm ta- saying to be true. Now, he's an Orthodox Jew, for you Jews, so he doesn't believe that Yeshua is a Messiah. But I believe and I know that God has used him to help people understand who Israel is. Okay? Israel is not just the Jews. The Jews is from the tribe of uh, Judah. And eventually, the tribe of Levi and Benjamin joined with the Jews. Those are the Jews today. But as in Genesis chapter 49 and Deuteronomy chapter 33 reveal, there are 12 tribes, and they have each have different characteristics. In Genesis chapter 49, God, through the prophet Abraham, yes, Abraham was a prophet too, told Abraham what would happen to these tribes in the end times, in the latter days, in the 21st century. Same thing would do Moses. Deuteronomy chapter thirty-three. All right. Now in Deuteronomy chapter thirty-two, he describes Israel as being uh, Jezreel, wax fat. Okay. I verified this with Rashi and other the other great scribes of uh, the Torah, and it means exactly what it means: fat. <laughs> Our people, we have a tendency to be fat. And we also have the world's greatest resources. Now, who, what people on the earth identifies with those characteristics other than the United States? Uh, Americans and Britons and and South Africans and New Zealands, Australians. Hmm? There's no other people that fit that description upon the earth. The rest of the people are suffering. They're not as fat as we are. And, And they're not as rich as we are, too. They may be fat, but they're not rich. Or they may be rich, but they're not fat. Okay? We we are fat and rich. We got the world's greatest resources. Okay? Um, we don't really care about our poor in this country. We're, we're approaching almost 50 million people that don't have the basic uh, diets that they should have. And yet we have the most billionaires in this country. There's no excuse for that. None whatsoever. Uh, we spend almost a trillion dollars on our military. I think we do spend a million dollars, a trillion dollars. You can look at the United States budget, federal budget, on their website. But I know it's close to a trillion dollars. And $20 billion of that could be used to eliminate poverty. Why don't we do that? Because we are suffering from the sins of Sodom. Sodom is not just homosexuality, folks. It's being lazy. Eating too much, which is a form of being lazy. Uh, don't care, not, not caring for the poor. Having a lot of pride. We 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 have a lot of pride. We think we love. We think we worship God, and we think we do this and do that. But before I, I read uh, Jeremiah eighteen, let's turn to another scripture that's popped up in my mind here in Romans chapter ten, verse one. This is a prophecy. It was true back then, and it's true today about Israel. Which the United States is a part of. If you don't believe me, go to that website www. dot org. If you want more detailed and scholarly research and information from an Orthodox Jew who knows what he's talking about. Anyway, Romans chapter ten, verse one, brethren, my hearts and another thing, reason why I focus on the Jews. You know, I have a, a strand of Jewish DNA, you know, in me, but I'm not fully Jew. Okay? I ain't stupid. I know what God says about the Jews in Romans chapter 3. They have an advantage because the oracles were given unto them. So that's why I'm going to refer to Jews. As a matter of fact, the Messiah that we all believe in is a Jew. Duh. Okay? So we need to go to the Jews to get thorough information on biblical concepts and ideas. Now, yes, even the Jews make mistakes. Okay? But if they're not making any mistakes, if they're not contradicting the scriptures, God suggests that we better uh, listen to what they have to say. Okay. The only mistake that Pierre uh, Davidi makes is that, of course, he doesn't believe that Yeshua is a Messiah. But when you read his information, a lot of it is accurate. So keep that in mind when you're reading his stuff. I mean, he admits that. And he's not hes not one of these Jews that are uh, <laughs> hateful toward Christians. He just doesn't believe that Yeshua is a Messiah. And I believe he will one day As the Bible prophesies in Zechariah chapter 12 But uh, just be gentle with him And you know he's gentle with you He's a nice guy but Anyway, anyway uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 1 Brethren my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel Is that they might be saved Verse 2 For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God We're going to talk about that today Having zeal for God What does that mean? Okay, But Not according to knowledge. They don't have... Well, actually, let's talk about the zeal thing now, okay? Um, The Torah readings that we're going to cover today is in Numbers chapter 25, verse 11. Um, I'm going to take this from the JPS Torah commentary. A good description of what zeal means, all right? And he says, literally, in his becoming impassioned with my passion among them. That's what zeal is. You're very impassioned. About something, and then Tanehas was upset as much as the Lord Himself over the affront to the Lord caused by the people's sin, and that's the way we we need to be. We need to be uh, really affronted by the possibility of us sinning or other people sinning. We need to take it seriously. It says the verb "qanah" in Arabic and Syriac means become intensely red and refers here to the visible effects of anger on the face. God becomes impassioned that is aroused when Israel flirts with other gods. For people who doesn't think God doesn't get really angry at you. And for people to put down other people that get angry because of unrighteousness. This scripture flies you in the face. Okay? There's a there is a thing. There's a such thing as righteous indignation. Okay? And and God And see, this is the reason why you have to understand other words in the context of the Bible. Become intensely red and refers here to the visible effects of anger on the face. God becomes impassioned, that is aroused when Israel, or anybody for that matter, flirts with other guys as in Exodus 20 uh, 20 verse 5 and 34 verse 14. However, this phrase most likely means that Phinehas' passion matched that of God's because he alone, in distinction to Moses and the tribal heads, Obey God's command to kill Israel's leaders, all right? Now, I'm not telling that you go kill people, okay? That's not, that's something that was different. I have to always put the disclaimer in because I may have some wacko people listening to me, okay? But, uh, well, what I mean by wacko is that they're not taking what I'm saying seriously, okay? And they're going to go around and say, well, he said that it's okay to kill people, so I'm going to go kill people. No, you know, I, I, that that's not what I'm saying, Okay? You got to understand that back in Old Testament times, God, in the days of Moses uh, and David and so forth, he had his government set up back then, okay? And his certain rules and regulations, one of them was that you do kill people if they violate his law. Now, today, God has us under the worldly governments, all right? In Romans chapter 13, he tells in other places, he tells us to, to go by what they say, all right? And... I know in particular the United States government, we don't go and just kill people if you see somebody uh doing something uh out of the out of the ordinary unless your life is threatened. you don't go around and kill people, okay, you don't do that all right uh so I just want to make that distinction so uh people don't falsely accuse me of saying, Hey, you know, canari is saying you go out and kill people all right so I wanna to make that perfectly clear. I'm not saying that, so I have to I have to always uh Remind people about that for clarity's sake, anyway, uh wipe out the Israelite people once released God's anger destroys everything in his path and makes no moral distinctions, okay, so God's anger destroys everything in his path and makes no moral distinctions. This empirical truth concerning natural disasters in modern actuaarial parlance called acts of God is neither glossed nor overtreated apologetically by the Torah. It is reckoned with a cornerstone of his theology. So to break that down, in other words, and we know babies die today, don't they? I mean, natural disasters. That's what it's talking about. I mean, when God's anger is unleashed, it's unleashed, folks. Okay? and And that's what's about to be unleashed now if we don't get our act together. So back to Jeremiah chapter 18. And again, let me clarify, I've, I've had some wackos listen to me and falsely accuse me of things. Okay? And what I mean by wackos, they're not thinking properly. And and they're just ready to false accuse me. Alright? So anyway, Jeremiah chapter 18, starting um, in verse 7. says, At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it. all right. And he talks about that in many places of the Bible, the prophetic scriptures, and especially in the book of Revelation. Uh, in verse 8, if that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. Now this applies not just to Israel, but to all the nations around the world, because Jeremiah is a prophet to who? The nations. Okay, So this applies today, too. Any world leader that's fortunate enough to listen or is listening. This applies to your nation. God shows no partiality to anyone. Everyone's a human being. Everyone has an opportunity to uh, obtain immortality by obedience to his laws and rules and regulations. God doesn't just favor the Jews. He gave the Jews and, and, and the tribes of Israel responsibility to teach the world what's right and what's wrong. The tribes have failed miserably in that responsibility, even Judah, even the Jews, even though they uphold the Torah better than all the rest of the tribes. But their biggest problem, of course, is they don't believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, and then, number two, they depend too much on their oral traditions that clouds their understanding of the Scriptures. So anyway, uh, verse 7 and verse 8, "...if that nation against whom I have pronounced turned from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them." And verse 9, and at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and plant it, in other words, to do good to it. Verse 10, if it do evil in my sight that it obey not my voice, then I will repent or change of the good, where if I said I would benefit them. So that this is a rule that applies today at this very second, folks. Okay? So I, I just want to tell you that because God doesn't want to destroy nations. He doesn't want to do any of this stuff. He just wants you to obey Him. That's all He wants. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 14, Ezekiel chapter 14, starting at verse 12, it says, The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, in Ezekiel 14, verse 13, Son of man, when the land sins against me by trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out my hand upon it. And will break the staff of bread. In other words, that's a Jewish idiom to say the capability of being able to take care of yourself, to pay your bills, to provide food on the table. That's the staff of bread. Okay? And that's what's going on worldwide right now, folks. He does that first before other catastrophes occur. And we'll send famine. And then after that comes famine. Disease. Well, famine is what? You don't have no food, right? So if you don't have the ability to take care of yourself, then you starve, right? And people, who's what's the first picture they always show when it comes to famine? A little black baby, right? Well, you know why? Because they suffer the most. But you know what? You're going to see white babies. Pictures of white babies suffering, too. Yeah. All kinds of colored babies. That's what God says, unfortunately. And because of our sins. Because of our sins. Anyway. uh, And we'll cut off man and beast from it. Verse 14. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it. They should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness. So people are saying, well, we don't have to obey God. It's just the splashing blood of Christ on us, and we can just commit adultery and do whatever we want. Well, what does God say here? But their own souls by their righteousness. That's how you better, you're better you going to deliver yourself. And what's righteousness? Psalm 119, verse 172. Memorize that scripture. All your commandments are righteousness. That's what it says, okay? So if you want to deliver your soul. If I want to deliver my soul, then I better start obeying God. Okay? That's the only way I'm going to uh, deliver my soul. In this context, it means your life. Verse 15 of Ezekiel. If I cause noisome beasts to pass through the land, and they spoil it so that it be desolate, that no man may pass through because of the beasts, though these three men were in it, I live as I live, says the Lord God. They shall deliver neither sons nor daughters. They only shall be delivered, but the land shall be desolate. Verse 17. Or if I bring a sword upon the land and say sword, in other words, war, which is going to happen here, go through the land so that I cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men were in it, I live, says the Lord God. As I live, says the Lord God. They shall deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they only shall be delivered themselves. Or if I send a pestilence, that's what happens after you starve, diseases, come, because your body's not getting the nutrients that it should have to maintain its immune system, then you get pestilence, disease, all right? Or if I send a pestilence into the land and pour out my fury upon it in blood to cut off from it man and beast, though Noah, Daniel, and Job are in it, as I live, says the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter, they shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness or commandment-keeping. Verse 21. For thus says the Lord God, how much more when I send my four sword judgments upon Jerusalem and the world, the sword and the famine and the noise and beasts and the pestilence that cut off from it man and beast. Now, let's turn to Matthew, because this goes hand-in-hand hand with what Christ was stating about what's about to happen here. Matthew 24, verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, which is across from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming? And at the end of the world, the end of the age, of man trying miserably to rule himself. Verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive or trick you. Verse 5. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ and shall deceive or trick many. Verse 6. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. In other words, there are going to be wars. And there's going to be rumors of wars. We have a war right now. We're fighting in Iraq. We're fighting in Afghanistan. Okay? There's fighting. There's wars all over the place. Around the world. In Libya. People blowing up each other. Okay? And not only are the are the, there military wars, there's also family wars. People not getting along. Fathers and sons not getting along. Uh, daughters and son, uh, daughters and sisters not getting along. Mothers and daughters not getting along. No one's getting along hardly. Congress can't get along. Okay, everybody's throwing spit in each other's face, basically. Okay, and that's that's what's going on in the world right now. Verse seven. Wait a minute. Verse six. Matthew twenty. And, and, and he shall. Show... You shall hear wars and rumors of wars; see, you not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Verse seven: For nation, and that word really means family, tribe. In the Greek, for families shall rise against families, and kingdom against kingdom. That means nation. And there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. That's what Ezekiel was talking. That's in the line of what Ezekiel was talking about. Okay, now. I quote this scripture because people say that's just talking about Israel. And he's going, no, it's not. Christ confirmed what Ezekiel was saying. It's also going to happen on a worldwide basis. What happens to Israel what happens to the rest of the world, folks. Israel is an example to the world. And he says in verse 8, all these are just the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you. He's talking about his apostles back then, but prophetically he's talking about today as well. Those who... You know, not all the believers are going to be rescued, folks. Some are going to have to give their lives. It says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. All nations. So those who really believe the true Yeshua, Jesus of the Bible, are going to be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Verse 10. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Okay, and this is more of a description of the nation upon nation. The nation shall be upon, na- or families shall be upon families. And that's what it is today. Families can't get along with each other. Verse 11, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And verse 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Uh, let me look at a better translation of that. Uh, and because wrongdoing will be increased, the love of most people will become cold. That's a better translation. You know, and... and That's what's going on right now. But he who goes through to the end will get salvation. And and Matthew 24, verse 14, And this good news of the kingdom will be given through all the world for witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Okay? So, and then he talks about in verse 15, the abomination of desolation, which can't occur unless the temple is built. And... Go to templeinstitute.org if you don't believe me in that area. All right, The temple is ready to be built. It's going to be a war that's going to occur. Uh, and through that war, in the context of that war, that temple will be built. Now, let's turn to Leviticus chapter 18 again. I'm going to have to, because I don't hear too many ministers talking about this. I don't care. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Leviticus 18 verse 22. You may not have sex relations with men. This is in the basic Bible version, okay? And this is pretty plain. Bible and basic things. I want to make this pretty plain to you, all right? What God says here. You may not have sex relations with men as you do with women. It is a disgusting thing, okay? And verse 24. Do not make yourself unclean in any of these ways, for so have those nations whom I am driving out from before you made themselves unclean. That's how a nation makes themselves unclean. When they promote this filth, that's what they do. And the land itself has become unclean. So I have sent on it the reward of his wrongdoing. Now this is before the nation of Israel was about to take over the land. He was talking about the nation's land being unclean. So don't go around saying that just refer to Israel. That refers to anyone in any part of the world that does this abomination. That's what this refers to. Verse 25. And the land itself has become unclean so that I have sent on it the reward of its wrongdoing. And the land itself puts out those who are living in it. So then keep my rules and my decisions and do not do any of these disgusting things. Those of you who are Israelites by birth or any others who are living with you. So it applies to anybody. Okay? It applies to anybody. Verse 27. For all these disgusting things were done by the men of this country who were there before you, and the land has been made unclean by them. Verse 28. So that the land may not put you out from it when you make it unclean, as it put out the nations which were there before you. And I say, thus says the Lord, if any nation promotes this filth, then you will be unclean and the land will spit you out. Thus says the Lord, not me, but God. And somebody has to talk about this filth, this garbage, this insanity, that's saying that two men can marry each other and have babies? Are you nuts? Yes, you are, obviously. You're not thinking straight. Somebody needs to snap you into reality. I hope all the gay people listen to this. I hope all the lesbians listen to this. And I hope you wake up to reality. I'm telling this to you out of love, not out of hate. God loves you, and I love you too. But you're not thinking straight. And you're harming yourself and harming other people by thinking that you can go marry your own sex and have babies. That's impossible. Totally so any scientist that's thinking straight, and, you know, and there's some that's not thinking straight, will tell you that that's impossible. And you know that's impossible because two men that marry and want to have kids, what must they do? They have to get a woman to sin, and they, I don't know, masturbate, I guess, you know, have a sperm, and they give it to a nurse, right? And the nurse puts the sperm up into the woman, right? Okay. And she has the baby, right? So that should tell you right there that what you're doing is wrong. Okay. No baby can be created unless the sperm merges with the ovum. The ovum comes from a woman. The sperm comes from a man. I don't hear anyone, and I don't, you know, do you hear anyone talking like this? Do you hear anyone telling you that, okay? You don't need the Bible. You can throw the Bible in the garbage can and put use the toilet paper, okay? You don't even need the Bible to explain logically that homosexuality is wrong, folks. That tells you how messed up the leaders of this world are, the so-called smart people of the world. A lot of them are messed up. They're not thinking straight. That's what wickedness does to you. It causes you not to think properly. Okay, so anyway, that's what God says, okay? And he says right here in verse 29 of Luke is 18, and the uh, Bible in basic English version, for all those who do any of these disgusting things will be cut off from among their people. So then, keep my orders, so that you may not do any of these disgusting things which were done before you, or make yourselves unclean through them. And why? Colon. Continue the thought. I am the Lord your God. That's why. That's why. So you know, people don't take what I'm telling them seriously. Continue to go ahead and do what you do, folks. Go go ahead and continue to do it, and you'll you'll see that God does not like. What you're doing Alright Plain and simple as that In Isaiah chapter 3 Starting in verse 1 It says For behold the Lord The Lord of hosts doth take away from Jerusalem And Judah And the world As verified by Isaiah Chapter 24 If you don't believe me Read that The first few verses the stay, and the staff, the whole stay of bread, and the whole stay of water, the mighty man, and the man of war, the judge, and the prophet, and the prudent, and the ancient, the captain of fifty, the honorable man, and the counselor, and the cunning artificer, artificer, artificer and the eloquent or, orotator, orator. rather, The eloquent orator. Verse 4. And I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. And that's what's going on in Congress. You have a bunch of babies. They acting like a bunch of babies, and they can't see what the real problem is. The real problem is that their government, the United States government is corrupted. We're endorsing gay and lesbian marriages. we're endorsing abortions. through the most liberal president, well, the most liberal senator that became president in the history of the United States, Barack Obama when it comes to abortions, okay. On those two things alone, we, our leaders, aren't thinking straight. We are irresponsible when it comes to finances. How can we tell the people to manage their monies when our leaders don't know how to do it themselves? Causing this country to go more into debt. Printing money out of thin air. Hypocrites. Anyway, verse 4, and I will give children to be their princes. They're acting like hypocrites. And babes shall rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed, and we are there's many people in this country right now, as I speak, as being oppressed. Impression is not just not having food and water. it can be you can have an m b a and you can't get a decent job because of your skin the color of your skin or because you don't know uh somebody or whatever you know i mean that, that that's that's an example of the many. You can be a, a woman that's fifty three years old has a chemical engineering degree. And nobody cares. All right? That's oppression. All right? So this country right now is suppressed. Is, is every one by another and every one by his neighbor, the child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable. When a man shall take hold of his brother, of the house of his father, saying, Thou hast clothing; be thou a ruler, and let this room be under my hand. And that day shall he swear, saying, I will not be a healer, for in my house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler of the people. All right? So that socio economic chaos. That's what God prophesies here. All right, and that that is going to occur, folks. Let me uh, quickly read over the uh, the lessons of the Torah readings because I want to get to some other prophecies here that I need to to get to. So I'm just going to summarize this. Um, the summary, and I'm going to use Haba. dot org uh, to do this. Uh, let me go back here. Okay. Um, all right, the Torah reading, the summary of the Torah reading of Numbers twenty five, verse ten, to Numbers thirty, verse one. Aaron's grandfather Pincus is rewarded for his act of zealotry and killing the uh, prince Zimri and the Midianite princes who was in who uh who was uh participating in the sin. God grants him a covenant of peace and priesthood. So he gave him Um, a covenant of peace and the opportunity to be a part of the priesthood because of that. So God, you know, he rewards you for your righteousness. A census of the people counts 601,730 men between the ages of 20 and 60. Moses is instructed on how the land is to be divided by lottery among the tribes and families of Israel. The five daughters of uh, Zalafi had petitioned Moses that they be granted the portion of the land belonging to their father who died without sons. God accepts their their claim and incorporates it into the Torah's law of inheritance. Moses empowers Joshua to succeed him and lead the people into the land of Israel. The Parsha, or the, the script, or the message uh, for this week, concludes with a detailed list of the daily offerings and the additional offerings brought on Shabbat, Rosh Chodesh, Rosh first of the month, and the festivals of Passover, Shavuot, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, and Shemani Aseret. So those are all the um, holy days of God that are listed in Leviticus chapter twenty-three. So that's the moral of the story, the summary there. Now in the of the prophet section, uh, talks about the prophet Elijah in First uh, Kings eighteen verse forty-six and nineteen verse twenty-one. The prophet Elijah is in the main is the main protagonist of this week's Haftorah, According to the tr- tradition, Elijah shared the same soul as Pincus, the hero of week's Torah portion. They also both zealously fault on God's behalf while disregarding the dangers involved. So God, despite whatever danger, he wants you to obey him totally. Many people cringe under pressure when it comes to obeying God. But you can't do that even if your life is at stake. Even if you have to give up your life, you must obey God. That's the example of Elijah, and that's the the example of Pentus here. Okay? following the showdown with the Baal prophets at Mount Carmel, which led to the execution of the Bel Priest, the evil Queen Jezebel issued a death sentence for Elijah. Elijah fled to Judean or the West Bank today, and asked God uh, desert and asked God to take his life. And you know, I can relate to that because I've asked God to do that to me. You know, while he slept, an angel woke him and provided him with food and drink, reenergized. Elijah went for 40 days until he arrived at Mount Horeb or Sinai, and he slept in a cave on the mountain. And the word of God came to him and asked him for the purpose of his visit and Elijah said I have been zealous zealous for God passionate for God the Lord of hosts for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant So that's a good scripture to focus on You should be and anyone who calls himself a true believer of God should be incited and angry at anyone that disobeys the law of God Now you don't go around killing people because of it but you should be angry at That someone is disobeying God. And people in this country are not angry. Enough people anyway are not angry at this gay stuff. That should make you really angry. You ought to turn into a red potato because of that. And look like one too. Well, I guess I'm trying to be funny. But anyway, the point of the matter is we don't have zeal for God like we should. Not according to knowledge, as that prophecy states. We got a zeal for God, but it's not the proper zeal for God. That's the problem. Okay, so Elijah fled to the Judean desert and asked God to take his life. While he slept, an angel woke him and provided him. Okay, wait a minute, I don't want to skip stuff. Okay, and Elijah said, I have been zealous for God. The Lord of hosts for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant or your list of commandments that uh, the nation of Israel agreed to obey. They have torn down your altars, and they have killed your prophets by the sword, as Christ predicted. All the prophets were either killed or uh, persecuted, and prosecuted, too, I may add. (laughs) Anyway, And I have remained alone, and they seek my life to take it. Okay? Elijah was instructed to leave the cave and stand on a mountain. Behold, God's presence will pass. There was a great and strong wind splitting mountains and shattering borders, but Elijah realized that God was not in the wind. Then came an earthquake followed by fire, but again Elijah understood that not and the earthquake, nor the fire was God. After the fire, there was a subtle, silent voice. And Elijah realized that the divine presence had appeared. That's, you know, God communicates you in a sometimes in a quiet, silent voice. And we have to, to listen to that voice. God asked Elijah again for the purpose of his visit, and Elijah repeated his earlier response. God instructed Elijah to go to Damascus and anoint Hazel, as king of Arm and Jehu, as king of Israel, and to anoint Elijah as a prophet in his stead. These three would continue Elijah's battle against Baal. Elijah followed the instruction, and he immediately found Elijah and recruited him as his aide and eventual successor. Okay, so that's what that's all about. And let's take a look at uh, some scriptures in the Renewed Covenant. And then I'm going to go back to my discussion here of certain prophetic scriptures that we need to focus on. Um, those scriptures we're gonna get here. I haven't listened to here somewhere. Or is it episode information? Okay. Yeah, the New Testament, John seven verses one to thirteen. Now, this is similar to what Elijah was saying, but this is uh, an example of what our Lord and Suffer uh, Lord suffering, <laughs> our Lord and Savior went through. John chapter seven, verse one. And, you know, his own brothers persecuted him, you know. John 7, verse 1, After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in jewelry because the Jews sought to kill him. So, you know, he, he was. they were shooting. They were seeking to kill him because uh, they didn't like what he was saying. And, you know, I know people don't like what I'm saying, and perhaps some will not want to kill me. You know, but, hey, I have to do what I have to do. Verse 2, Now the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand of Sukkot, Verse 3, his brethren therefore said unto them, Depart hence and go into Judea the west bank, that thy uh, disciples also may see the works that thou doest. So uh, this is uh, his literal brothers were, were telling him this. Verse 4, for there is no man that doeth anything in secret, for he himself seeketh to be known openly. If you do these things, show thyself to the world. Verse 5 of John, neither did his brethren believe him. So none of his brethren believed him at first, although Jude and uh, James woke up, okay? I don't know if the rest of his brothers did, but anyway, verse 6, Then Jesus said unto them, My time has not yet come, but your time is already here. Verse 7, The world cannot hate you, but me it hates, because I testify of it that the works are wicked or evil. <laughs> so that, that's, that's the thing about true service of God. We tell the truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us God, and people don't want to hear that. And so the majority of the world will hate me and anyone else that preaches the truth. Here I am going around preaching that the law of Moses is the law of God. People hate that. They don't want to hear that. They want to believe that the law of Moses is done away with, even though the Bible says that the assembly or the church of God is built on the foundation of the prophets, which Moses was a major one. Okay, So I mean, it's, it's illogical to think that way. But anyway, verse 8, uh, that, That's it. I just wanted to quote that. That's Christ even endured persecution. Like Elijah, but of course he was a lot stronger than Elijah, and he didn't let that stop him from his message. Um, also, in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 5, 6 to 8. Your glory is not good, know ye not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Purge out therefore, this is the allusion to uh, Passover, uh, the festival of Passover. Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. And that's what the Passover lamb represents, the, the literal uh, human lamb, uh, innocent lamb, that didn't deserve a thing that happened to him. Yeshua Messiah, verse 8. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, which shows you what the uh, leaven can represent in this context, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So we must get the leaven out, folks, the sin out, the wickedness and malice out of our beings. Every single one of us must do that. All right. So that's that's the, the, the lesson today is that we must be zealous for God. That we must be jealous for God, because God, one of God's names is jealous, okay? And we must stand up for God, no matter what may happen to us. We must be courageous. We can't be wimps, okay? All right, getting back to, in the last 24 minutes that I have here, 20 minutes, right? Let's go over some of these other prophecies that I must go over here. Um, I was going back to Isaiah chapter 3, and he talks about, verse 8 of Isaiah chapter 3, For Jerusalem is ruined, and Judah is fallen, because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of His glory. The show of their face doth witness against them, and they declare their sin is Sodom. They hide it not. Yes, they hide it not, don't they? In this country, they don't want to hide it. Out. These gay parades and everything. Woe unto their soul! And they don't hide it. And it's not Sodom. is not just that, but it's also not taking care of the poor. They don't hide that either. They don't care about it. As a matter of fact, in my my uh, graduate course for my doctorate degree that I'm studying for, it says that that's the, one of the most least popular topics of discussion in the news: poverty. They don't want to talk about that. They don't care, you know. They don't care about poverty. That's not something that really motivates people, you know. But anyway, uh, woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe to the wicked. It shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hand shall be given him. As for my people, children, of their oppressors, and women rule over them. Yes, God doesn't desire for women collectively to rule over us. That's not the structure. That God has set up, folks. Okay, so if there's any women that don't like that, you need to blow the dust off your Bibles and read it and understand that. Look, how many how many books are written by men versus women in the Bible? Hmm? You have Ruth and you have Esther, right? No more, right? And all the rest of them are written by men. So that should tell you the majority there. That God. Now there there's situations uh, where if there's no men around, Yeah, God, he'll he'll choose a righteous woman. But Deborah, if you look at Judges, where that's located, Deborah realizes she was not a father to Israel, but a mother to Israel. A mother is second in command to the father. So she knew her place. She knew her place. And God rose her as a judge to get the men in line. Because the men were acting like wimps. And um, Barak, in particular, uh he wanted <laughs> he wanted Deborah to go with him to fight okay and if you understand the, the 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 rules of war as she did in Deuteronomy chapter 20 that's not allowed i mean women are, they have no place fighting a war i mean that that's a man's responsibility to get out there and fight uh women i know you that are married to your husbands whatever uh when when someone is banging on the door and getting ready to bust the door down, do you go up there and find out who it is first, or do you say, hey, honey, um, you go check that out? Well, you know, that's a natural inclination for a woman to do that, and it should be a natural inclination for a man to check and to be courageous and check out what's going on, okay? So, you know, women have their their, their role, and as I like to explain this in a marriage, I use a simple analogy, and I'm going to move on. You have a car, right? The man drives a car and the woman is the engine, okay? So (laughs) uh, how can you drive a car without the engine, right? So a woman is very important uh, in a marriage, in a man's relationship, a husband and wife, okay? And, you know, men have not taught, uh, and women have not taught that properly, okay? But anyway, that's another Bible study in itself. Let's go back to this prophecy here verse 13 of Isaiah chapter 3. The Lord stand up to plead and stand up to judge the people. Verse 14, the Lord will enter into judgment with the angels of his people and the princes there. For you have eaten up the vineyard, the spoil of the poor is in your house. (laughs) This is prophetic. (laughs) What do we call the government of the United States today? The house, right? They are the richest folks in this country. All Every single last one of them, most of them got money. Well, they, they don't have no financial problems, okay? They don't get taxed, all right? So they're they're pretty well off. And it says right here, for you have eaten up the vineyard, the spoil of the poor is in your houses. and of course, you know, literally, that's talking about literal houses, okay, or rich houses there, you know, but we call our government the, the house, the house of representatives, okay? And, and they have riches. You know, when the government shut down, they're going to still get paid. They're going to still get their paychecks. You know, because they're the elite of the people, right? But we're the ones going to suffer, right? Uh, verse 15, God doesn't like that. And he says here, what mean you beat my people to pieces and grind the faces of the poor, says the Lord of hosts? You don't like that. Verse 16, moreover, the Lord said, because of this is a prophecy that describes our women today, not only in Zion and Jerusalem, but around the world, are haughty and walk with let me put this in the basic Bible English version. You know, This, this scripture is typical of the 21st century woman, folks. <laughs> oh, boy. And it says right here. Because the daughters of Zion are full of pride and go with outstretched necks and wandering eyes with their foot chains surrounding when they go. The Lord will send disease on the heads of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will let their secret parts be seen. And that day the Lord will take away the glory of their foot rings and their sun jewels and their moon ornaments, their earrings and their chains and their delicate clothing, the headbands and the arm chains and the work bands and the perfume boxes and the jewels with secret powers, the rings and the nose jewels, the feast day dresses and the robes and the wide skirts and the handbags. You tell me, does this describe a 21st century woman today? Verse 23, the looking glasses, the fair linen, and the high head dresses, and the veils, and the place of sweet spices will be an evil smell. And for a fair band of thick cord, for a well-dressed head, there will be the cutting off of the hair. And for a beautiful robe, there will be the clothing of sorrow, the mark of prisoner, and place of the ornaments of the free. Your men will be put to the sword. War. War. And your men of war will come to destruction in the fights. And in the public places of her towns will be sorrow and weeping. And she will be seated on the earth, wasted and uncovered. That's a prophecy about the war that is to come, folks. And We better take God seriously. Uh, or else many of us are going to be wrapped up in that war. That's about to come. And I'm talking about World War III. We already had two wars already. World War III is about to come, folks. Now, I was going to read some other scriptures. I don't have time, I don't think, to read them. So I'm going to read some other scriptures, and hopefully I will have time to read these other ones. But anyway, Proverbs 22, verse 3. This is the time to prepare, folks. I'm dead serious. I mean, you need to start preparing for the worst. All right? Proverbs 22, verse 3 states, The sharp man sees the evil and takes cover, or woman. It's simple. Go straight on and get into trouble. Okay? And I'm reading this in the basic Bible English version, for clarity's sake. So you don't want to get into trouble. And I'm, You know, God is using me to warn you. He's using others, uh, very few, to warn. You, you should listen to me and listen to others warn you, folks. And you, you should do what you need to do to protect yourself. Okay? And your family. As Noah did. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, 11, rather, verse 7. And this is an an example of how you show faith or trust in God when you take all this information that I'm giving you. Go to Infowars.com, www.infowars.com. Google Gerald Salente. Listen to the real reasons why we are having these financial problems. Sure, it's biblical, but they go into detail of how it's biblical, and well, they don't talk about God, but they go into detail about uh, giving you a more vivid description, detailed description of why things are occurring. Of course, the, the linkage is not obeying God, but they tell you more, explaining you the effect of what has happened instead of the the real cause. But anyway, Hebrews 11, verse 7 By faith, Noah being moved by the fear of God, what's the fear of God? To hate evil. Proverbs 8, verse 13 made ready an ark for the salvation of his family because God had given him news of things which were not seen at the time, as I'm doing, okay? Uh, I'm telling you that there's going to be total devastation. There's not going to be very few people on the earth. Isaiah chapter 24 tells you that. Okay, if you read it, the first few verses, 1 to 6, verses 1 to 6, Christ tells you that. Okay, He tells you that if he didn't come, no flesh should be saved. In Matthew chapter 24. So, Hebrews 11 verse 7. Because God had given him news of things which were not seen at the time, and through it the world was judged by him, and he got for his heritage the righteousness which is by faith. So follow Noah's example. Of course, Christ in Leviticus, not Leviticus, Luke chapter 17, stated that as in the days of Noah and Lot, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So we should have the same attitude as Noah had. How much time I have left? 10 minutes. Okay, let's turn to Luke chapter 21. This is a scripture I want to really focus on here because people have a tendency not to, to believe what the Bible says and think that everything is going to go on the way it's gone since the beginning of creation as Second Peter chapter 3 prophesied that they would. That only confirms that God exists because people had that attitude today. Uh, Luke 21 verse 34. But give... Attention to yourselves, for fear that your hearts become overfull of the pleasures of food and wine, and the cares of this life. That's Sodom and Gomorrah, folks. That's the attitude of Sodom and Gomorrah, having a you know being overfull. God wants you to enjoy life, but being overfull of it—that's the sin of Sodom, overfull of the pleasures of food and wine, and the cares of this life, and that that day may come on you suddenly and take you in as a net. For so it will come on all those who are living on the face of the earth that had this attitude, okay? Verse 36, But keep watch at all times with prayer that you may be strong enough to come through all these things and take your place before the Son of Man, okay? So that's what we need to do, folks. We can't focus on Harry Potter and the women's soccer team and all this other silly stuff so much so that You forget about reality. You forget about what's going on in the world. God wants you to enjoy life. Christ said he came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. But he wants you to put him first. And then look at the women's soccer team. And Harry Potter, I wouldn't look at it at all because it's about demonism and demons. Okay? sorcery crap. So I would stay away from that. But Captain America, it's about this nation and this country. It's fantasy, but it's good fantasy go see it, you know, as long as it doesn't have, I hope it doesn't have what X-Men First Class had, and and then that horrible Transformers movie that people think is really great, but in the first opening of, this, of the movie, showing a girl's butt, basically, I mean, that's not that's not of God, if I would have known that, I never would have looked at that movie, so, um, but I was totally shocked by that, and it was a boring movie anyway overly violent and just ridiculously violent. Anyway, Isaiah chapter uh, 26 starting in verse uh, 9. Many people don't understand. Why does God punish us? Why why, why does he do that? Well, let's, let's find out what the prophet Isaiah stated about this. Because just like if you've ever raised kids, you know I know Dr. Spock and all that uh, with his ridiculous teaching that you shouldn't spank a child. That's ridiculous. God says you must spank a child. Uh, because if you don't, they're just not going to get the message. Okay? Yeah, you spank them on the butt with their drawers on, or, or if you have a daughter with her panties on. And you spank them with uh, your hand. And if they get a little older, maybe six, seven years old, a belt. But you do it in moderation. You don't do it in anger like you want to kill them. And uh, you, you, after you get through, you, you take them in, your, in, their, uh, in their arms, and they cry and all that. And you say, hey, I'm sorry, but hey, you didn't get the message, so I had to, to spank it. Spank it through you, and hopefully you get the message. Well, how do you spank adults, folks? You can't <laughs> you can't take adults and spank it with their head, can you, uh, or the belt? I mean, it's going to hurt, but it ain't going to hurt as much as it would. If I try to spank my son now, he'll laugh at me, okay? So uh, adults. I'm not going to take that serious, but this is what they'll take serious. Isaiah 26, verse 9, In the night the desire of my soul has been for you, early will my spirit be searching for you, for when your punishments come on the earth, and the kind of punishments that I was talking about is the ones about the taking away money, uh, that causes poverty, right? And then when you have poverty, it causes famine, and then famine causes pestilence, right? So that's what he's talking about. For when your punishments come on the earth, and then war, of course, the people of the world will get the knowledge of righteousness. That's the reason why he punishes the world so people can wake up finally and say, "Hey, yeah, I need to obey God because if I don't, <laughs> something bad gonna happen to me." But eventually, God wants you to not obey him because something bad is gonna happen. He wants you to obey him because it's the right thing to do. But first things first, most people react and obey because something bad is gonna happen to them, and God knows that. That's why he punishes. It's like a little baby will obey after, or you know, most of them do anyway after you spank them, you know. And they get the message. Anyway, uh, 20 to 21 of Isaiah. Come, my people, into your secret places and let your doors be shut. Keep yourselves safe for a short time till the wrath is over. Why? Because this is about to happen, folks. I can't predict what year, like most false prophets do. But in verse 21: For the Lord is coming out of his place to send punishment on the people of the earth, not just Israel, but the earth, for their evil doing. The earth will let the blood drain out on her to be seen and will keep her dead covered no longer. So it's going to be total chaos for us uh, folks around the world. Isaiah chapter 13. Isaiah chapter 13. Isaiah chapter 13, starting in verse 11. And I will send punishment on the world for its evil. So if any people doubt that God doesn't think the world is evil, well, you have one scripture here that tells you that he thinks it's evil. Isaiah chapter 13, the whole world, that means the majority. So when people get mad at me and say, well, can I, you think everybody's evil. Well, I don't think that. God does. He says the whole world is evil. There's 7 billion people on earth right now, folks. The majority of people, according to God's word, is evil. You want to argue with God? Go ahead and do it and see see if you're going to be alive arguing with God. Okay? Isaiah, I think he ought to know more than me, uh, whether or not the majority of people on the earth are evil or not. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 11. And I will send punishment on the world for its evil. I will send punishment on the world for its evil. Let me repeat that one more time. I will send punishment on the world for its evil and on the sinners for their wrongdoing. And I will put an end to all pride and will make low the power of the cruel. Verse 12, I will make men so small in number that a man will be harder to get than gold, even the gold of Ophir. For this cause, the heavens will be shaking, the earth will be moved out of its place. Go to Isaiah chapter 24, verses 1 to 6. It talks about that. In the wrath of the Lord of armies and in the day of his burning passion, his zeal. That's what this Bible study was about. And God is going to do that in his zeal, his fierce anger. Okay? I think we do have enough time to go to Isaiah chapter 24. Yeah, three minutes. Let's go to that powerful scripture that is addressed to the entire planet. Isaiah chapter 24. Starting at verse 1. I'm going to read this in the uh, basic uh, Bible English version. Bible in basic English. Verse 1, Isaiah chapter 24, verse 1. See, the Lord is making the earth waste and unpeopled. He is turning it upside down and sending the people in all directions. (laughs) You know, if you believe in God, this ought to make you tremble, folks, about what's uh, what's about to happen here. Verse 2. And it will be the same for the people as for the priests. For the servant as for his master, and for the woman servant as for her owner, the same for the one offering goods for a price as for him who takes them, the same for him who gives money at interest, and for him who takes it, the same for him who lets others have the use of his property as for those who make use of it. So this is going to affect everyone, including the rich. Verse 3. The earth will be completely waste, and without men or women. For this is the word of the Lord. Verse 4, the earth is souring and wasting away. The world is full of grief and wasting away. The high ones of the earth come to nothing. Verse 5, the earth has been made unclean by those living in it. Because the laws have not been kept by them, the orders have been changed. They have changed the law. God has never changed his law. Is that people who think they know more than God has changed it. And the eternal agreement has been broken. What's the eternal agreement? The eternal agreement was the agreement that God made with the nation of Israel to obey his commandments that Israel was supposed to share with the rest of the world. Verse 6. For this cause, the earth is given up to the curse, and those in it are judged as sinners. For this cause, those living on the earth are burned up and the rest are small in number. That's a prophecy of burning, of fire and destruction that will occur not only in this United States, but worldwide, folks. Please take your Lord and Savior seriously. Well, that's it for today, and God willing, I'll be available next week. May God bless and keep you, and you have a pleasant Shabbat. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the sun of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, And ye shall go forth, and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.